sorry, that's so uncool. <laughs> when I came in here a couple of weeks ago, I came in for lunch, I think I saw you guys sitting up the top. Oh, you're up the top, yeah. And, um, and I felt like I was in one of those um, 80s, like I had a flashback to the 80s skate rink, like roller skating rink of my youth. Like the music's so good, but it is that kind of like, yeah. Hey, uh, it's really, it plays because we're doing it on Spotify as well. Yeah. I'll, I'll play this on Spotify. So it, it curates it every day or night. Wow. So you can see the difference, like at 10 pm, it just like goes up and it doesn't stop. Like all the dance tunes and stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's like, it's like oh, it's doing a pretty good job. It is it's doing a good job, isn't it? Maybe well, algorithms do work. <laughs> yeah, who knows? <laughs> but thank you for your time. Yeah, no problem. So I was having a little look and seeing, you know, because um, obviously you've been with Fancy Hanks, yep. you that crew and so on, and then you've been travelling. But um, when did you first become a chef? Uh, I think that was when I was like 18. Wow, okay. Yeah, it was like, I think I was eight, six, seven years ago. Yeah, six, okay. Seven years ago. Okay. And um, so I was studying, I was chefing in Singapore. And I was studying there, um, and then I finished my studies, and I moved here for studies as well. Um, and then that was when I met Ken from Fancy Hanks. Yeah. And I was just looking for a part-time job at that time. And, um, and we started off like really fun, like doing pop-ups and Melbourne Music Week. And I just got stuck in it. Yeah. I went in, and he had no chef, and I was like, what do you want me to do? And he was like, oh, I just cook American barbecue. I was like, I, was like, I-, I have no experience. He was like, ah, oh, you get it. Yeah, wow. Yeah, okay. And it took us like probably just three, three or six months and just getting used to the smoker. Yeah. And when we're doing the pop up as well, like every week was really different, like quality. Because we firstly were like really new in the whole scene. And I don't think there was anyone back then doing American barbecue. Yeah. So we're just playing around with it. Um, and the product got better and better every week. And then it became like Fancy Hanks today. Which yeah, is wow. pretty cool to see. It is really cool to see. Yeah. And um, so you've come a long way in a short space of time, really, haven't you? Yeah. To be yeah. head chef, owner. Yeah. Well, exec- are you executive chef? No, you're I'm head, head, chef, head yeah. chef. Yeah. So Mike Patrick's the exec chef. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Of um, I mean, I'm really lucky to have met these guys from Hanks, and because we have, we we work really well together, and we're, we're best mates. Yeah, and we've been talking about this. Me and Ken have been talking about this for about six years. Yeah. So every every since I started working with him, he was always like, "Oh, what's what do you cook back in Singapore? Like, what do you guys eat?" And uh, we always used to do like cookouts at his house on the off days. Um, and he got really into Asian food. Yeah. And that's when we started doing trips back to Singapore. And they really liked that concept. And Mike got on that concept as well. We were like, oh, we're gonna start, we're gonna open something. Yeah. And then six years later, we were like, ah, oh, finally got there. Yeah. Wow. So yeah. So like for me, from then to now, it's just meeting the right people at the right time. Absolutely. And you know, I've been. I mean, we've been waiting for this. For this thing to happen for so long which is why i left hanks as well because i left hanks when i thought i had done everything that i could there and i was like i'm gonna go travel um and then i was like oh i've got to go back to singapore to be with family for a bit yeah and that was when i started working at andre in singapore and that was also something that i wasn't expecting to do right. fine dining yes um, but then I got it and I was like, you know, just might as well tr- challenge yourself. And yeah, so I went in and it turns out it was a really good thing for my career. Okay. It's just as a huge booster and you get to meet so many kinds of people. All the like chefs that do collabs with Andre. Yeah. And it's just it's a whole other world, you know, the fine dining. Absolutely. Dining, yeah, so. There's a lot of people in the kitchen in fine dining, isn't there? Yeah, it was. There was probably like 15 people in our kitchen. Yeah. 
and everyone had their own specific job that you do every single day. So you come in at nine in the morning and you stay all the way to one in the morning. But you know exactly what to do. Yeah. And so there's no talking. Well, we, no talking. No talking at all. It was, it was, I mean, none of this, Clara, this music. Nah. <laughs> It's a, it was a really stressful environment, but okay. the first day that I got in, um, they didn't let me do anything. They just told me to stand there during service. So I was just standing at the dishwasher, washing area, and I was just watching how it all happened. Okay. But then it was the only kitchen that nobody talks during service. Wow. So the head chef just calls out the covers, and then you see the whole kitchen just move like clockwork. And everything comes out at the same time. It was just like... How do they do it? Yeah. And like everyone's just quiet and they're doing their own thing. There's no shouting, no screaming. Like it's super organized. Um, but because they, everybody works every day. Yeah. So the restaurant doesn't close. Wow. So we do six days a week. We used to do six days a week. Um, and then we only close when it's the restaurant holiday. So it's like a summer break and a winter break. So you, you work with 15 people the same people every single day. It's, it's, wow, you have to really. It has to be clockwork, then, doesn't it? You have to be able to get on with it, and yeah, you have to. You know, only you, you're doing it. It's almost like muscle memory at the end of it. Yeah. Because you already know the setup is always the same. You know, they they're really exact in the setup as well. It's the only place that I've been in there. You use the you use the exact same tong, like the same tong size, or like the same spoons for wow. a certain station. And what section were you on? I was on sauce. Okay. Yeah, that's so, a pretty important section. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it was a pretty big section. Yeah, I was yeah. directly under the sous chef at the time, um, who became the head chef at the end of it. Um, and How long were you there? I was there for a year. Wow. Yeah, so they closed, I think they closed a couple of months ago. Um, Andre closed down. Um, but yeah, I mean, the sous chef was there and he was the one who was making sure like, everything's perfect all the time. Yeah. And nothing... Like it, it can't be a wrong angle, you know. You gotta hold the pot at the correct angle. You gotta hold a spatula at the correct angle. And I'm like, why? But then after a while, you realize that because that's muscle memory, and that's how you can don't you don't have to talk during service. So yeah, I mean, it was it was really hard, but it's You'd a good experience. You'd have to love it, wouldn't you? I mean, yeah. I, I told myself when I started, I was like, I'm only gonna do a year here. Um, but I ended up. You know how you get like um, when you're leaving, you get this like love goggles kind of thing. Yeah. Like it's like oh, I actually really like this place. Um, but yeah, I was like told myself one year would be good enough to learn what I wanted to do. Um, it's basically learning like organizational stuff and like how to be a, like cleaner chef. Um, the, the things he does, the, the, the things that they do there is like one dish has probably like twenty or thirty elements in there, and I know it takes like two or three days to, to get to that point. Yeah. Um, so like the food is exceptional, yeah. But just seeing the process of it, I'm like, you can probably do it in Asia, but how do you do it in Melbourne? Like it's a really hard thing to do here, especially with like wages and stuff like that. Yeah. Well, I was just going to say because um, I've spo- I, I don't know why I didn't know this, but because fine dining has so many chefs in the kitchen, it's really hard to make money. It's hard for the restaurant to make money because they've got to pay all those wages, and so. Yeah. If you're working from 9am till 1am, you're not getting paid, like it's not a 40 hour, you know, like, so, so it's so different to here, isn't it? You know, yeah, it's um, very different. But I think in those restaurants, when you're like in the top 50 of the world, people want to work for you yeah. and they're willing to put in 80, 90 hours a week. But, and I don't know that it's 
you're not being exploited, are you? Because you're getting to learn so well, are you? Well, like, <laughs> oh, that's a really hard question. I know, I know. But you see, like, I was, I was a Singaporean in Singapore, so I got a standard pay. Yeah. So I've got like, it's not a standard pay, but it's a Singaporean pay. Foreigners got lower than us. Okay. And they are the ones working more hours than us as well. So it's like, that I feel is exploitation. But then again, they're really happy to work for him. Yeah, so, so that's, yeah, I, that's the thing, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. I think people, like, they, they want to work for their idols, like their celebrity chefs or whoever they respect the most. And I think for that short period of time, you'll be able to, like, put in all the effort and work that you want. Yeah. But I just don't think it's, like, it's not a feasible way of working throughout your whole career. Then. No. But some people can. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, some people do, don't they? And um, and did you do a bit more travelling? Because I, I did see your name popped up on the couch surfing thing, and I was, you know, oh, like, right. <laughs> I was like, did you actually go around and try a few? Uh, you listed a lot of places you've been to. So yep. did you? Was that like a um, a tasting adventure or? Um, what I did was I took nine months. Um, I wanted to do a year, but I ran out of money. <laughs> but uh, I did nine months of backpacking. Um, so I went to I went to China, Japan. So in Asia, I did like Thailand, Vietnam, um, China, Japan. I did one month in Japan, which was pretty intense because I couldn't speak Japanese. Yeah. I was alone as well. Yeah. So, um, but it was really nice. The people were very nice there. But the food is like exceptional. Yeah. Um, and then I went to America. So I went to the US and I did three months in the US. So I did from New York to California because um, my sister lives in New York. So I went to visit her. Um, and I always wanted to take, you know, the California train that goes from Chicago, Chicago to California. It's like 56 hours or something. I was like, I want to take the 56-hour train. Um, so I did that, and people were like, oh, I'll go to Colorado in the middle. And I was like, sweet. So I just did that and went to California. With my friend, I drove from California all the way back to New York. And like passing by small towns, went to like barbecue places, Austin. Um, it's, it's those kind of places that... I felt really awkward to be in because okay. I was the only Asian in the barbecue restaurant. Oh wow! So it used to be like it's a ghetto. It's not. It's not the places like top barbecue places. No. It'll be like that mom and pop yeah. kind of barbecue places. And I'm like, oh, I really want to go. And my friend, who is American, um, and then I'll I'm, I'll be the only Asian in the whole queue, and everybody would be like big African American guys would be like, "What are you doing here?" And I'm like, "I'm just ordering barbecue." They're yeah. like. You know how to eat barbecue? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and then I'll be like, like I wearing, cook it. <laughs> yeah, I'll be wearing a fancy hanger t-shirt everywhere I go. Nice. Um, yeah, but so that whole trip was kind of like me wanting to learn more about like food from everywhere else. Yeah. And also at the time I was really interested in beer, so I was going around the breweries all around the states and in Europe as well, just like trying beer. Okay. Um, but yeah, it was just it was just me. It was like I worked hard, so I was like I deserve nine months. Yeah, so for sure took it off, and yeah, in the end, I met a lot of great people. Um, like New Orleans was one of my favorite places to be in. It's just the people there are crazy. It was yeah. like partying every single day, and they um, have a really interesting style of food, don't they? Because it's very mixed in with the Creole. Yeah, so they got Creole, they got Cajun influences. Um, so it's all very like soul food. Yeah, but it's really they. They got restaurants there that bring it up to like the next level as well, um, and it's like it's all this food that you you think that Americans only eat burgers and chips, but like, they actually have a really huge variety of food. It's like, huh. and you see the, like being able to see like regional cuisines and how it affects uh, based on the geography and on, on the map. 
and like the immigrants and stuff. It's like it's like oh, it's pretty cool. It's like it's not as bad as everyone says it is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so here though, it's more. It is your sort of um, hawker style barbecue. Yeah. But have you brought anything from your travels to what you're doing? So what we're doing here is mostly Singaporean and Malaysian. Um, we, we try to do authentic, really authentic street food, but we can't really do it in this space. Um, and because of it's a karaoke bar, so we pushed it more towards um, like just off the grill, off the barbecue. So really, the menu is very limited in the sense that you only have a barbecue. Yeah. And there's not a lot of things you can cook off a of barbecue. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we 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 took basically um, Singapore barbecue. So what they have in hawker centers back in Singapore and in Malaysia, we influence it with a bit of American barbecue. So there's a lot of smoking here. And then I incorporate a bit of techniques from Andre, which is just about like garnishes, making powders and stuff like that, dehydration, dehydrating. Nothing fancy, but like just trying to make it look a bit prettier yeah um, but yeah I mean it's it's the menu is always revolving um, but we'll, I think what we're sticking to is just barbecue yeah <laughs> so uh, it's, it's barbecue Southeast Asia that's what we're doing and in terms of what you're um, what you're burning because you know like barbecue people it depends on who you talk to like Japanese barbecue burning or white white charcoal or whatever it is white what as opposed to the American stuff might be more of fruit trees and so on. What, what, are, you, yeah. what are you cooking over? So um, we cook over three different kinds of charcoal. So we use binchotan, which is the Japanese charcoal. So it's an oak charcoal. Um, so it holds the heat really long and they stay in the whole, um, whole briquettes. Okay. Um, it's like extruded form. And they stay, they stay in the form, so it's really easy to move them around, especially on our barbecue where we have a yakitori grill. So it's two bars and we only cook skewers on it. So that's the charcoal we use for our skewers here. Um, that way we can ensure that we get the highest char in the shortest amount of time. Mm. Um, they're very expensive. Uh, but you gotta, you gotta pay for what you get, you know. Um, the other stuff we use is just an Australian um, extruded charcoal, which we use for our regular grill. And we use um, a wood called Mali, which is, I think it's an Australian wood. Uh, we use that for the chicken wings. Okay. So we use three different things, just be, only because um, they break down into different shapes and sizes, and we need those different sizes to fit in the different um, grills that we have. Okay. Yeah. But we're looking at getting some wood and smoking some stuff over the charcoal barbecue as well. Nice. So we'll probably put wood on the fire pit and hang like chickens on the top, just get the smoke flavor in it. Yeah. yeah. Because the difference is that the American barbecue is kind of low and slow, isn't it? Yep. And then, um, and so you're bringing the brisket down for fancy hanks and then sort of finishing it off here, is that right? Yep, and so we're doing... The rest is over the grill? Yes, yeah. Yeah. everything's over the grill. We do two things at hanks, yep. so we smoke our brisket there and we smoke our tongue, oh, yes, our beef yes. tongue. Uh, but the, the brisket uses a different rub compared to hanks, so we use a Sichuan pepper rub. Okay. So you know how the, the American barbecue is more using black pepper as the base of the rub, so we use Sichuan pepper. Okay. So it's more fruity, a bit tangy. Yeah. Um, and it gives people the numbing feeling, which a lot of people are like, what is this? So some people eat it, they're like, oh, something's wrong, something's wrong. And you're like, no, this, this is Sichuan pepper, you just got to ride it out. Yeah. <laughs> just to get a bit of a high from it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I love that. Um, I had the brisket when I was here, and the um, and the eggplant I really loved as well. Yeah, yeah it's so good. Yeah, yeah we, we do a bit, a bit, a lot of more vegetarian options right now. Okay. Because I'm just realizing how 
good it is to barbecue vegetables. Yeah. It's like, I always used to think like, oh, nah, you can't put barbecue, um, veggies on the grill, but now I'm like, ah, oh, you actually can. It's for everything. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> for the grill. So, so are there things that have surprised you about what people are ordering or, um, or is kind of is going the way that you imagined it would? Well, I'm surprised at how many people are trying different things. So we put the tongue on and the duck hearts on as like a, it's like a funny thing. <laughs> yeah, it's almost like I don't know who's gonna order this. Yeah, um, but the duck hearts and the tongue are getting really good feedback. They're actually the, the best sellers uh, and the best feedback that we get. Okay, um, and it's really funny because people we have two dollar skewers on Tuesdays, um, and I had a couple come in yesterday and ordered one skewer of duck hearts, and they tried it. They were like, "Oh, it's actually really good." <laughs> she was like, oh, it's a good thing. I was like, yeah, have, have three more. Yeah, <laughs> nice. It's good, isn't it? We just have such a stigma in our minds. I think about offal, whereas you know, other countries, no worries. You know, yeah. France, Asia. You know, but yeah, it's good. Yeah. So yeah. like, I used to grow up like drinking like offal soup, like pick offal soup, and it and it stings. It really does sting. It has a really pocky flavor. It's the pork. In Australia, it doesn't really smell as bad as it does. It's not, it's not as bad. It's not as porky as in Asia. Um, but in Asia, when you buy pork, it's like it always has that stench, and you know you're eating pork. Yeah. But here, it's really like clean flavor. That's what we norm- we normally get from the markets. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like awful soup and all this like things I grew up eating, and it's like you can't get it here. Or like deep fried intestines. It's a really good beer food that we used to have back in Singapore. Okay. And people here are like, oh, that's gross. It's deep fried intestines. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't sound so good. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and what's your beer side of things? Are you have you selected the beer, or is that um, um are you going to start making the beer? <laughs> no? Maybe maybe we'll change the rooftop to a brewery. Oh yeah, nice. <laughs> um, now so the the cocktail list is actually started from me and Michael, which is a venue manager. So we started the base of it. So I put in the flavors that I wanted because a lot of Asian bars in Melbourne, they have very standard flavors. They use a lot of yuzu. They use like very typical Asian flavors. Yeah. And so we, in my menu, I wanted it to be more exciting or more exotic, but still things that you can get in Melbourne. So we use a lot of preserved mandarins here. Um, which when people first tasted it, they were like, what is this? We have a cocktail that I think it's off the menu now, actually. Um, it was a seaweed brine that was wow. really weird. That's okay. why we took it off the menu. Oh, well, you got to try these things. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, I like the cocktail, but people were like, nah, it just tastes like the ocean. And okay. yeah. Um, but anyway, so Oscar Eastman, who used to work at Uda V, he was the one who created um, the cocktail menu for us. So from, we did the we did the concept of it and he just pushed it into execution he made like the beautiful cocktails that we have now yeah yeah but we have one that's selling really good now it's actually the Kopi Cabana okay so it's espresso martini but with a Singaporean coffee in it okay so Singapore Singapore coffee is very different it's almost like a Vietnamese coffee it's mostly Arabica, um, Arabica and um, it's very strong and black and there's a there's a big fragrance to it um, and we normally drink it with condensed milk and evaporated milk and sugar. Um, but yeah, here we have the black kopi and the kopi cabana. And people are like, oh, that's a weird coffee. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but nice. it hits you. It's, it's full of sugar. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I had the Dr. Jones. Dr. Jones? Dr. Yeah, yeah Jones? Dr. Jones. Jones. Yeah, when I was, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, um, and that beautiful vessel. Loved it. <laughs> 
Oh yeah, the, the ceramic. Oh, I love it. Yeah, I love everything about it. It's quite strong though. <laughs> but, um, so, right, here yeah. for a good time. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so, um, so does it feel a bit like an extension? Because you're saying you know, you're all friends with them and so on. So do, when you come to work, is it just like hanging out at your other house? Or <laughs> in your like crazy garage? Or what is the... Yeah. Well... <laughs> Yes and no because uh, you know I didn't realize how stressful it is to be doing the opening of something. Yeah, and I think in the first few weeks we, and the first two weeks was really very busy because yeah. we got the hype of it. Um, we were all really stressed out, but like now it's coming down and you can see it's going to build up for summer. And I think we're in this period where we're like let's just enjoy ourselves right now before we get slammed again. Yeah, um, but no, like I mean the owners are all all my friends and we, we, we work really well together and I think that's how like I'm not afraid to give ideas and like, they're not afraid of giving criticism so they'll come in for dinner and they're like you know what that, that wasn't as good as last week this wasn't as good and I'm like okay cool uh, yeah. fix it so I think it's good to have this kind of people working with you instead of someone who's like oh yeah that was good yeah also they believe in the concept a lot because um, all five of us we have been to Singapore and Malaysia multiple trips yes. and so they've seen the food there they've tasted the food firsthand, and they know the vibe that we're going for and the music that we're going for Yeah. so I think that's how the idea was brought to Melbourne pretty easily because we did so many research trips um, and we're trying to stay into I wouldn't say with the, the food wise it's the flavours of Southeast Asia but the whole atmosphere should be like Asia yeah. yeah you should feel like here you're in like a Chinatown in Asia and you go up to a rooftop you're in a beer garden in the, in the middle of Penang or yeah. KL um, but yeah so that's what we're sticking to yeah. and I think it's hopefully it works and uh, we get busier yeah <laughs> good luck <laughs> thank you thank you that will do um, 